were watching Console Conversations. Hello everybody, it's me, Walter the Germany Ball, here with Haydn, and that might not seem different, but uh, there's no interweb internet series of tube uh, bar barrier in between us because Haydn is here. So the, for the first time since season one, episode five, which was a long time ago, we'll be bringing console conversations live, semi-live actually, because we actually have a third person joining, and that is fellow YouTuber and uh, musical artist Lure. So this is the first time we've had a guest on here, and we're going to be having console conversations with a third person for the first time. So, uh, we are just going to go straight into uh, our first segment, um, and we're going to be doing this exactly like the premiere of Season 2, uh, where we have our seven categories, and our first one always is what we've been playing recently. So I'll go first. Um, me personally, I, I, I said in my GameStop video, I got eight games recently. I've been playing a lot of Mario Strikers, and I finally got my Order 1886 disc to work, so I've been playing that, and they're both really good. Um, I've also been playing some Celeste on the Switch. All, all three of those games are phenomenal, so I've been enjoying those, and whoever wants to go next can talk about what they've been playing recently. Um, so what I've been playing is, I've been playing some Sims 4, and um, recently I did another playthrough of Detroit Become Human, and um, I'm also playing some Sniper Elite 4. Uh, and Dwarf, what have you been playing recently? Actually, I have also been playing uh, some Detroit Become Human. Also, I've been playing through Persona 3. Through five and the Kingdom Hearts games recently. Oh, I see. Yeah, those those games have always intrigued me. I've never played Kingdom Hearts, but they've always looked kind of interesting. So uh, that ends it off for our first topic. And next, we're going to talk about some new gaming television shows. Uh, we never talk about TV on this podcast, but two. Really good games are getting TV shows, um, those being Cuphead and The Last of Us. Um, I'm honest, obviously, obviously more excited for The Last of Us one, even because I've never played Cuphead, even though I really want to. Um, so I personally think Cuphead looks really good, and I think it has a good premise for a TV show because, you know, it's animated. And it's based off the old animations from the 20th century. Yeah. So, you know, it has a really unique aesthetic. So, I think it would be a very good idea for them to make a show, and that's exactly what they're doing. We haven't seen much. Um, and The Last of Us TV show, we've barely seen anything, but I think The Last of Us has a lot of potential for a TV show, so uh, that's what I think, but uh, Bloor, uh, you can share your thoughts on these upcoming TV shows. I haven't seen much about The Last of Us 2, uh, the TV show, but the Cuphead one looks very interesting. It looks like it uh, retains the same style as the game. It looks like frame, frame animated, just like the game, every frame was drawn out, so it looks very nice. 
and I have high expectations. Yeah, I, th I think that one has a lot of potential as, you know, they really crafted something unique. Not only was the gameplay fun and, you know, brought the run-and-gun genre into the mainstream once again, um, but, like, the, the art direction was incredibly masterful and, like, they just knocked it out of the park. Everybody thought that it looked impressive, and it must have been torturous to animate that, so... For them to make a TV show out of it would be very entertaining. It has a lot of potential, and the story of Cuphead seems really uh, interesting. So, uh, Hayden, you can go next and share what your thoughts are on these two upcoming shows. Um, yeah, so um, I was surprised when they said, well, both for The Last of Us TV show and the Cuphead one. But what's interesting is that um, the Cuphead one, I think what's going to happen is it's going to take place during the game. Because, like, after the game, they've already defeated the devil. Yeah. And so, I think it's going to take place during the game, but in a TV show format, where each episode they're taking down a different, like, boss, and going through a different level and such. Yeah. And it seems like it would, I think it could help portray the story, like, even better than the, like, the Cuphead game did. And for the Last of Us one, um... So what I think is going to happen is either it's going to take place with new characters, which is probably unlikely because they already have such portrayed characters in the original and the sequel too. And what, but what I think they're going to do is either they're going to make it so that they start off from The Last of Us 1 again and have that portrayed again, or they're going to continue from where The Last of Us Part 2 left off. Yeah. Personally, I think it's going to start from the beginning because, you know, it would make sense to have, you know, them do Last of Us Part 3 without context. Also, I don't think they would put that part of the story, because they said they want to do a trilogy, uh, so I don't think they would put that part of the story out before the game is out on a TV show, personally. But yeah, I think it's definitely interesting to see what they do. And speaking of The Last of Us, our next topic is <laughs> is um, finally, we're going to get this all off my chest uh, in a full-on debate. Uh, we're going to be debating the story of The Last of Us Part 2 and the gameplay of Death Stranding. And uh, we're both going to be arguing about that. And Blur will be announcing the winner for Last of Us Part 2 category, Death Stranding category, and overall. So, let's get into that. And here we are with our debate. So, we're going to be starting off with The Last of Us Part 2. And in The Last of Us Part 2, there are a few things we need to mention. One... There are spoilers here. I haven't talked spoilers in any of my console conversations episodes before. No spoilers in my review. This is our chance to just go at it and finally shut up about The Last of Us Part 2. Mm -hmm. Finally, just shut up about it. Stop talking about it all the time. Have a massive debate about the story now that the game is out, now that I've beaten the game. And then we're going to talk about that story. So, uh, 
we're gonna start off. Please, if you haven't played the game, do not watch this part of the video. Get to the timestamp in the description and the pinned comment below to avoid spoilers and go straight to the death screening part. Do not watch this part. Even if you think the leaks made the game look sucky, just don't, please, because the game is good. <sighs> and we're gonna be, ex and I'm gonna be explaining why. So I want to start out by saying what people are mad about. So people are mad at something that happens within the first two hours of the game, and that is where Abby which is, who is the main villain of the game, kills Joel with a golf club, and it's pretty gruesome. People are mad about that. People are mad about the ending where Ellie does not kill Abby. People are mad at it being a quote-unquote SJW game, which I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but whatever. They're mad about the fact that you pick up a lot of notes, which is just stupid. Um, and they're mad because of quote-unquote false advertising, which I agree with only in one very small scenario, but it's not enough to affect the game. So I'm going to start off with Joel's death and why that is not a big deal at all. People freaked out when they saw in the leaks, oh my gosh, Joel died, and I understand why people were mad. Because, you know, that's a character they're so attached to, but... Yeah, it's the main character of the past game. They've all got the, they know his story, they know his pain and what he's been through. Yeah, but they are mad at, oh, they just they just used him as a tool to start a revenge story. Which, here's the thing, that is not true at all. They did not use him as a tool. What they did was create one of the most ingenious plots with a theme of not only revenge, because everyone claims, oh, it's just a revenge story and there's no payoff. Because that's not what it is. It's about revenge and how revenge can warp perception and how that perception can lead to some somebody or something being horrible or somebody being a monster. And in another scenario, they're a great person. Because what Ellie saw Joel as was a hero for the first game. Then she found out what he did to the Fireflies and she was heartbroken and didn't want to speak to him. Then you see from Abby's side. He literally murdered her father in that hospital just to save Ellie, and that's pretty bad. Um, because if your father dies, you know, that's a pretty bad thing. So she goes after Joel, kills him, then Ellie wants to kill Abby. It's a cycle, it's a cycle, and it never stops until the end of the game, which I'm gonna talk about next. At the end of the game, they have a confrontation, and Ellie has the chance to kill Abby and drown her. And here's why she does not. There are multiple reasons. One is because she realizes, wait, Abby killed Joel. Joel was the one who killed her father just to save me. So that started that revenge cycle, so she wants to break it by not killing Abby. Also, Abby takes care of Lev, so she doesn't want to kill her because she's obviously taking care of Lev. And then you have the entire fact of 
She needs to be better than Joel. Because, like we said before, Joel did something pretty bad, to be quite honest, just to save her. And she was furious at him. So why would she go on and be a hypocrite and do just what he did to get to Abby? So she finally realizes it. Because the point is, she acted upon her malevolent intentions because she wasn't thinking. She was just going on a revenge mission and killing all these people. But when she's finally able to think, and she goes out of the way to find Abby, and she thinks about it, she realizes, I need to be better than Joel. So she doesn't kill her because of that. And to be quite honest, I was screaming at the television saying, like, don't kill her. You're being a bit brutal. She has somebody to take care of. This is kind of horrible. Right? And that feeds into the whole perception thing because, you know, Abby, from, in, from one standpoint, could be a horrible monster or a good friend who did a lot for the WLF, who, again, the WLF could be seen as a group of horrible, torturous murderers, but they could also be seen as people who are keeping the dangerous Seraphite at bay. It all feeds into that central theme. So I'm going to let Hayden have his rebuttal to what I just said about the Last of Us 2's story, and then I'll respond. Well, I think the story, uh, they did play it out pretty well, but I think the things that they could have did better is maybe made Joel's death, like, better, so, like, not, like, less gruesome. I mean, they could have did that, or they could have made it so, like, his death made it so that it showed his personality more than him just walking in saying his name in front of a group of strangers he didn't know, and then getting, getting his kneecap shot off, and then getting beat, beat to death by a golf club. So maybe, like, I, I made a comment, like, a few weeks ago about how they could have did Jules Beth better. Maybe, maybe he did say his name in front of those people, but they managed to escape, and they were chasing them, and through this large building, but and, well... Yeah, and they were chasing them, and they ended up going into a dead end. And Joel and Joel wanted to save Joel wanted to save Ellie, so and there's this window, and he made so I'm not explaining this very well, but he made it so that he made it so that he convinced her to go through the window and leave him there, so he could like sacrifice himself, so the revenge thing would still work, because it's like, she would still think that Abby is, like, bad for killing him, so she would still go on mission, but then also they would be able to show, like, Joel, like, Joel's personality from the past game better than it did, than they did. And they also, what they also could have done is made it so that um, like, actually, I think that's the only complaint, because they, they didn't handle it perfectly, they could handle his death better, but I think they did pretty well with the rest of the story. Okay, well, so I'm gonna say quite a bit here. So, one, I know what you're saying, but he couldn't have been chased, because they attacked him out of nowhere. He couldn't have gotten to Ellie because Ellie wasn't there until he was beaten down. They couldn't have really had a chasing or a, or the feeding into the revenge plot because, you know, again, he was beaten down and Ellie wasn't there until he was practically dead. And uh, then 
you have the fact of, I want to get into this. So, I see what you're saying, kind of. Like, they, I do agree they could have maybe done it a little better. I think that the, the, the way they did it was really good, but, you know, obviously not perfect. But for me, it, the fact of the matter is, that's one thing, you know. And what we've said before, you've been defending, like, the users on Metacritic and saying you don't want to get the game, your opinion is fine. But for me, it's if you take a step back and look at every game, you'll see there are flaws. Yeah. No no game has like no flaws. So it's kind of ridiculous to even give it anything below a ten out of ten if that's people's only right. Which for the most part it pretty much is. Um so the fact that people are giving it anything below ten, especially when they're giving it zero, that's just ridiculous. Like we can both agree on that hopefully. That it should still be considered a near perfect game, at least a nine out of ten. And there aren't really any gameplay flaws from what I saw, other than the fact that you could kill dogs. And uh, like what I was going to say before, false advertising is the only complaint of theirs that I kind of agree with. And that is only for one tiny thing. And this is honestly my fault for expecting this, because they didn't say it was going to be a major thing. They said you might miss out on major story points based on the path you take. So I thought, oh, the story will be completely changed. I think that only might happen once in the entire game. But, you know, that's, again, that's one minor nitpick. It's not like it has flaws. It's not like it's bad. It's just, it has small little areas that where the cracks are forming. Um, and then you have the fact that even if this story was the worst thing imaginable, like, for, I don't know, imagine dragons come out of the sky, and then a, and then it becomes the plot of the movie Birdemic, or something like that. If it's the worst story ever, it's still worth an 8 or a 9, because a story is not the entire game. Games aren't movies. I understand, and I'm not saying that the story isn't important. I think the story is very important, especially for this game. Yeah, especially for a story. But like, con like consider my review. One fifth of it was the story. Only mm -hmm. one fifth. So mathematically, it should be a four out of five or an eight out of ten, even if it was the worst thing ever. And it's not. People just have some minor nitpicks, most of which are completely unwarranted. Like, most of them don't even make sense, and the ones that do, again, still nitpicks. Yeah. So it's absolutely ridiculous for them to claim that it's massively flawed, and I think if the leaks didn't come out, people wouldn't be claiming that. So, um, that's my final response. Uh, if Hayden, if you want to have a, a final rebuttal, and then we'll announce the winner, you can go ahead. Um, well, I think, um... The last, I think the reason people hate it is because, like, the weeks and Joel dying. And I think Joel dying kind of changed their perception for the entire game. Because, like... Yeah, they had a reaction. Yeah, they had a reaction and just were mad about it for the, the other 23, 23 hours. And then they wanted to kill Abby because she was the one that killed him. They're like, oh, if I kill him, 
then this won't be worthless because we know how um, perception. This I don't know what it's called, but it's like you don't, you don't like you don't enjoy it, like because they're mad about it. So they wouldn't enjoy it if they didn't like where it kind of started with Joel dying. But if they killed Abby, they think it all worth it because he killed the person that killed them, Joel. But since Abby was left alive, um, and nothing happened to her, they all, they all got mad because, like, the person, like, they think that the villain should always be killed. Yeah. Because that, that's... But that's not right. I don't yeah. think so. But I understand what you're saying, that people were reactionary, and, yeah. So, Bloor, if you want to now announce the winner of this part of the debate... You can go ahead and announce the winner. I personally think that you, you win, Walter. Me? I feel like you had a ba better argument coming in and a better rebuttal. And it, and it felt like it kind of proved that the flaws aren't as bad as make people make it seem so yeah all right so next we're gonna be talking about the literal opposite of this game um where people were mad about gameplay including myself and the people who liked it liked it for the story and Haydn likes this game well I don't uh which you know not necessarily like he doesn't like the last of us 2 I think I just proved to him why you should like it <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, and I like it more, so, you know, it's kind of a, an opposite, so we're going to get into that next. And here we are with Death Stranding. So if you wanted to avoid spoilers, this is where you should have came, because this is where we stop talking spoiler. Because we're going to be talking about the gameplay of Death Stranding. Not the story. I don't know. I well, I'll slightly talk about the story, but you know. So I'll start off by saying it looked interesting. I thought the game would look interesting. I don't really care. I didn't really want to buy it for sixty bucks, uh, and that was even before I knew I wasn't interested at all. But I thought it looked like a cool game. I thought it would be interesting to see what he did, because, you know, he made Metal Gear Solid, so, and those games are amazing, like, I've only played the fifth one, and some of the first one, but they're really good games, they're really high quality, and they push the boundaries of their consoles for generations, and this game does that graphically, I'm not gonna say it looks bad, and I'm not gonna say the story's bad, because it totally looks great, and the story... I barely know anything about. So I'm going to talk about the gameplay. And here's what I think about the gameplay. I think it's boring. Um, because other than walking and driving the vehicle, that's what you do for the majority of the game, right? You're not platforming. You're not stealthing around. You're not uh, uh, fighting, you know. Eventually you get guns, I know that. Eventually there's more complex combat, 
with boss battles. But for the most part, the game is just walking around. I mean, that doesn't sound inherently bad because, you know, it, they could have made it fun. They could have had little, I don't know, maybe you have to do certain interesting actions all the time, do button combos to get running really fast, make it like an arcade type game from Japan that's abs absolutely insane, where your guy is just running at a million miles an hour because you got a combo. I don't know. It could have been interesting. They could have had collectibles in every contained area. And here's how I feel about open world games, like this one. They need to have stuff, or what's the point? If it's just a barren wasteland, what's the point, you know? Assassin's Creed, not really anything going on. Uh, but when you have, like, Breath of the Wild or Horizon Zero Dawn, they're stuck around every corner, yet they're in massive maps. Then you have games like Spyro and uh, Jack and Daxter and Banjo-Kazooie, all of which are phenomenal. Those, have, those are smaller, yet they have tons of stuff all around. So there are ways to make an open world game with stuff all around. You could have tons of interesting little places to explore. If you have tons of interesting places to explore in Death Stranding, I think it'd be much more fun. But most of the time, you're just walking and balancing, and you're just walking. And that's not necessarily fun, because there's not much to do other than scan around and walk around. So, for me personally, the gameplay is not very interesting. The mechanics are sort of shallow sometimes, and... Then I get to my third major criticism, which is dialogue. Um, so I have a couple pieces of dialogue here that I just want to read off. So the first one is, Norman Reedus, great, so I'm Mario and you're Princess Peach. The woman replies, yeah, like Mario and Princess Beach. And they start running around on a beach, and they have smiles on their faces. And then a woman asks Norman Reedus later on, do you remember being born? Then the main villain, late into the game, says, we're all of us part of the Death Stranding, which may make sense in the context of the game, but isn't very great grammar. And then we have the ultimate knockout, Central Knot is gone, and our headquarters along with it, all because that thing didn't do its job. Referring to a baby. Whoa. So for me... I find the gameplay to be boring, some of the dialogue is cringy, and I think it's just not very fun. So, Hayden, you can have your rebuttal to that. Well, out of context, it may sound cringy, but when it is in context, it makes sense. Because, like, the South Knot thing? Like, the South Knot dialogue is talking about because the the people, there's some people that have, um, so the babies, they're connected to the other side, like, death. So they're able to see the death um, the Death Stranding, which are, like, dead, they're the dead that are stranded on the planet, and they're supposed to see them, because if they get you, they're going to kill you, absorb you, and if, and if, um, a dead, um, and if one of the larger ones comes, it would eat a dead body, and then it would explode, causing a massive crater. So in the context, the babies are used so that they can prevent millions of people from dying. And this con and because um, it didn't, um, the, the baby didn't work properly, it wasn't able to protect people, and the entire city was destroyed. 
except Norman Reedus, because he has, um, uh, I forgot the name, but it's like these things that you, certain people get where you have, like, certain powers with the death stranding things. Uh, or, no, the breach things, that's what they're called. And so, also, do you remember being born is another thing, like, out of context, it's weird, but because, um, like, it's this weird thing of life and death. So it may sound a little cringy, but... I understand what you're saying, but again, yes. Like I said, in context, some of that makes sense. Yeah. But my main thing is the gameplay. Yeah, okay. Isn't um. fun because you're just walking and the controls can be... And the vehicles are broken and the climbing is non-functioning. So that's my main problem, obviously, you know, that this dialogue is kind of just something I wanted to mention. Yeah. Not a major problem with the game. I'm just saying, with the gameplay, it's not fun. So a lot of people, when they see these, are going to see them out of context, and they're going to think, wow, that's pretty dumb. Well, I think the thing is, is that... I, it did pretty well in Japan and Europe because it's not, it's like a story-based game and had, so let me explain the gameplay real quick. So you're moving around and stuff like, yeah, you're walking a lot, but it's not just walking. What you have to do is you have to plan out your load, you have to plan out your, your route, so like, so you don't run into BTs or so you don't run into bandit cats. And if you do run into bandit cats, you can take them out or get other supplies from the bandits. So it's like, it's, and then there's also things where it's like, during your, your travels, you're able to, um, like, you have to also protect your baggage from being destroyed. So you have to be careful where you're walking as well. So it's like the thing where you're always having to pay attention to your surroundings as well. So it's like... Well, I understand what you're saying, though. That makes sense, you know. You have to plan everything out. But that doesn't change moment-to-moment gameplay, right? You plan out your packages. You plan out your route, like you said. You plan out all these things around you. But that's forethought. Yeah. That's, that's doing it before you're playing the game. When you're playing the game, that doesn't change anything. All that does is make before the actual gameplay fun. And then when you go into the gameplay, it's still not fun, so it still doesn't really change anything. Well, also, there's things that you do during gameplay, like there's um, electricity that you have to save because of the vehicles and stuff, and then you also get these mech suits that help you carry more stuff or make you run faster. And then, like, you also have to plan, like, like, you have to save up energy, and you have to look for other, like, because a little air on, like, once you get past, like, the tutorial section, you have to, like, plan, you have to, like, plan during the process of you going, also, because you're, um, because, like, you might run out of electricity, or you might, um, 
like yeah. wear out your boots. So you yes, I I understand what you're saying. And there's all you had to conserve your materials. Yeah. So, but like what I'm saying is, yeah, that's all great. That's like that is mechanics, though. That is adding on to the gameplay with what you need to think about. But my point still stands. When you're playing the game, that doesn't change anything. The fact that you're saving everything, you know, maybe that makes it a little more strategic, but it doesn't make walking around any more fun. Well, yeah. I'll, well, yeah. It, it, when it, if it's just walking, but also, like, there's, like, see how there's, like, there's other things to do than just walk around. Like, you don't have to, like, complete the missions. Like, you can, you can travel back, do those other things, get more, um, more, like, info on the world, get more, like, dialogue and stuff. Like, not like dialogue, like, um, like character interactions. Yeah, character interactions with the story. And then you're also, like, during play, like, you don't have to walk around and carry all the boxes to places. You can take down the bandit camps. Like, you can it, go to BT areas. Yes, but that's side stuff. Yeah. And with a game, it should be main content first. The side content should be good. It shouldn't suck. But the main content is most important. Like with The Last of Us 2, if the main game was was doing puzzles and finding things, it would still be a great game because the side content of that game is great. But the main content is even better. With Death Stranding, it sounds fun to do the side content, but it doesn't sound fun to do the main content and complete the missions. So with that, we're going to ask Boar, who do you think won the Death Stranding side of the debate. I think I didn't won. I just feel like the argument was better on his side on how the gameplay is and how dialogue is out of context and how it kind of ex explained how it makes sense when it's in con context. So, in the next couple of weeks, we have tons of new games releasing, so we're going to go through all of those brand new games. Now today, the time we're recording this, July 10th, two brand new Switch games are coming out. Deadly Premonition 2 and Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. I, I just recently uh, found out about the first one, and it's really good. So both of those... Seem interesting. Um, and then we also have Cyberpunk 2077 is getting new information. Ghost of Tsushima is launching soon, which I'll be talking about much more extensively in my review of that game. Uh, Paper Mario is coming out. So many new games are coming out, and it's pretty insane to be quite honest. So, Bloor, what did you, what do you think of these brand new games coming out? I think. I want to start off talking about Bloodstained. The game looks really good, and when the release trailer came out, it was actually really close to the date that it was coming out as well, which is really nice. So we could like get it soon; we didn't have to wait too long. And it's co-op, which is a really nice addition. So yeah. Also, 
characters, in my opinion, they look very nice and the like the designs make sense. Okay. So um then we have uh the fact that all of these new games, some of them are exclusives. Ghost of Tsushima is a PlayStation 4 exclusive, and Paper Mario is pretty much the only big Nintendo Switch exclusive that appeals to most people coming out this year, that we know of. Um, and so it's really interesting to see all of these different types of games coming out. So, now we're going to get into our fifth segment, which is the Retro Corner. Here we'll be talking about what retro games we've been playing recently, what retro things have been happening, and I'll go first. So for me, I've been playing Mario Strikers on the Wii, The Simpsons game on the Wii, and older PS4 games like Dead Rising, playing Sonic Rush on the DS. These were all games that I got from GameStop. So I've been really having a great time with all those retro games, as well as I just found out Sega is doing another mini console this year. Mm -hmm. I talked about how much of a ripoff the Game Gear Micro is, but they're making the Astro City Mini, which is a mini arcade cabinet, and I thought, uh, that'll be fine. No, they actually have good games. They have Gold Max, Gold Max, Revenge of Death Adder, uh, Virtual Fighter, and that's just of the, like, ten or so that they've announced. So, it's actually a pretty good product. Wait. So... They just announced that before the Game Gear Micro. That would have made the Game Gear Micro hurt a lot less, yeah. So, uh, uh, whoever wants to go next can talk about any retro stuff they've been doing recently. Um, I haven't really been doing any retro stuff, but Donkey Kong Country is coming to the Switch um, on the NOS, so I'll probably be playing that when it releases. Alright, and Bluer, what have you been doing recently in terms of retro games? Um, retro games? I haven't really been actually playing Persona 1. Uh, I forget what console it's on, but I'm emulating it on my laptop, and it's really easy to run. And the gameplay is really fun, and the story, it just uh, bursts you into the good stuff right when you get in. So, that's what I've been doing in the retro scene. Alright, so, uh, that's what we've been doing in terms of retro games. So, we're going to move to category 6 now, which is user comments. And, uh, <sighs> well, I talked mm. about this before, but my Atari VCS video... People didn't like it. Uh, people really thought that I was being too harsh on the system. People liked the system. Um, most of the people who commented thought it was going to be great. I still hold the opinion that I don't think it's worth the money, even if it's only $250. That's still way too much. That's, you can get a PS4 with, like, a game or two for that amount, which you is... just create, like, a retro collection. Yeah. Like, of their games. They, they've already done that on most consoles, so I don't know why they're making this new console so expensive. They should just make it 50 to $100. Most of the money is going into streaming, which 
I don't understand why Atari is pushing that because most people who want to stream already have something that can do it. And if they are going to get something that can do it, why wouldn't they just get a PS4 or an Xbox One that has way more new games along with retro games like all the Atari games? So I have no idea why anybody would want that for the streaming and the voice commands and all that. Because it's on the other consoles, and those consoles are cheaper if not just as good. They're way more powerful. The Atari VCS doesn't have nearly as many games, and it's on par with PS2. Which is honestly ridiculous coming out in 2020 for nearly half the price of a PlayStation 5, we assume. So, it's kind of ridiculous still, but I understand why people were backlash because I did make some false statements. So, you know. But, for our next episode of Console Conversations, leave your comments. Uh, Wait a minute. Comment, be- comment below who you thought won the debate. Comment below... Any questions you have for our next episode? Can I say something quickly? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should emulate the games, but you can easily emulate the games for free on, like, it doesn't even have to be a good laptop, and you can just get OBS and stream it really easily. I'm yeah. not just saying. You don't and have to buy official ways to play Atari games on your other devices with uh, certain streaming services, so yeah. So, it's kind of ridiculous, yeah, you know, so, but, there was massive backlash, but leave comments below for our next episodes, and with that, we'll get into our final, final category, which is the quick fire, and with the quick fire, we are going to be talking all about random stuff, anything that comes to mind, Anything that we think of that we want to just talk about quickly. For me, um, today, uh, July 10th, they're having Nintendo Treehouse, and they're going to reveal a new way forward game. I don't know oh, what it is. Sorry about them. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, and they also revealed the first PS5 box, which is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Borg or Hayden, you can go next and tell us... Uh, any quick stories you have? Um, so, um, I have a few stories. So the first one is that, um, what's funny is that even if the PS5 is $500, it'd still be cheaper than the PS3, and probably would be, like, more powerful than it. Well, the 60 gigabyte model of the PS3, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the PS3 was pretty powerful for its time. Well, the reason it was so expensive was because it had so much useless garbage in it. So many USB ports, so many um, card readers, like a compact flash, like, who uses that? Yeah, and it was way too powerful because they used Blu-ray, which Blu-ray was brand new, and they were still selling at a $280 loss, even though it was $600. So, yeah. Oh, um, you want to know a fun fact about the PS3? Um, so, um, the U.S. government made a supercomputer uh, out of a bunch of connected PS3s. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. And another thing that I was wondering Also, this probably should have gone in the... Go. Um, what I'm going to say, probably should have gone in the new game section. I'm really mad about Crisis Remastered, because it's like a down... 
grade, if I'm being honest. The graphics, they're, a lot of the renders, they don't look as good. There's, the, the small details aren't there, and voice acting is the same. The only thing they really added is grass shadows and a new lighting system, which you can easily just do with a mod. So I'm just, I'm really mad about Crisis Remastered. Yeah, they should have had uh, all of the Crisis games. They should have remade them and made them way better and have all of them on one collection. Them, for them to sell one game that's barely improved and is downgraded in some ways from the original at like 40 to 60 bucks is absolutely ridiculous, so I agree with that. So, uh, I believe that ends it off for our quick fire segment. And with that, there we go. Thank you guys so much for watching Console Conversations Season 2, Episode 8. We're almost at the end of Season 2, which is pretty insane. We talked about a lot this season, and this episode, we talked about a lot more. So, thank you guys for watching. Make sure to comment down below any questions you have and who you thought won uh, this episode's debate. And make sure to subscribe, leave a like. Any other comments, be safe, everybody, and goodbye.